You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Leiter. You know, I hate using the word, but I'm getting older, you know? I'm getting older, and you don't know how many years you have left playing. I'm not in year two or three where it's like, hey, I, I got a lot of time left. So it um, it's one of those things where I want to win. Like, everybody wants to win, but you, you put in the work, you, you play this game. Obviously, there's, you know, we get paid a lot of money. You know, it's a dream to play this game, to just even have the opportunity to play it. But at the end of the day, we all want to win a Super Bowl. And, like, you feel like a little bit of your career's you know, empty if you don't have that opportunity. So, you know, you run out of time eventually. Empty is definitely the word for Browns fans as we head into the offseason officially. It's always game day in Cleveland. Thanks for joining us on the podcast, which is brought to you locally by Smiley One. Heating, cooling, and plumbing. Bryant and Smiley One, the right choice for your comfort. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. And I don't blame Joel Batonio for anything he just said there. I think he wants to get moving, and I don't blame him. And um, this franchise needs to get moving in the right direction. And I, I don't know. I don't have a whole lot of uh, positive vibes coming out of the last 24 hours. You tell me, Daryl. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, the sense that I get, Batonio doesn't want to be in the position Joe Thomas finds himself in, right? Joe is going to go into the Hall of Fame, and he never got the opportunity to, to, to play in a playoff game or compete for a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, Batonia was blessed to at least be on the, the 2020 team. But the fact of the matter is seven of his eight years in the NFL, the Browns have had no shot at competing for the ultimate prize. And so uh, the day on Monday began uh, with the firing of Joe Woods, which, as we learned, actually took place Sunday night. Uh, so Woods was fired Sunday night by head coach Kevin Stefanski. And now the search begins for his successor. Monday was really not only about the fallout following his dismissal, but obviously now uh, the fallout from what was yet again another disappointing season that saw the Browns win seven and lose ten. Daryl, where what is the state of this organization right now before we get into Joe Woods? It sounds like things are uh hectic, but they should be hectic after you just didn't make the playoffs. So where is this team going? And 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 I mean, I, I just I, I don't want to be disheartened going into the offseason, but knowing that they don't have a draft pick and wondering what kind of turmoil awaits when you now have a head coach, if he doesn't get let go or there aren't more moves since uh after Joe Woods. I'm just really wondering what the direction of this franchise is and the organization as a whole. Yeah, I mean, look, if Andrew Barry does not do his job this coming uh, year in offseason, and if Kevin Stefanski does not get this thing turned around, we will be sitting here a year from now talking about replacing both Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski because this is it. Um, as I wrote uh, on our website, 
Um, Joe Woods was the scapegoat. In 2021, Baker Mayfield was the scapegoat. Joe Woods is now the scapegoat. And quite frankly, Kevin Stefanski, you're out of scapegoats. This is it. So um, they've got to get their act together. What has transpired these last two years is not something to be brushed under the rug. And quite frankly, Barry and Stefanski should be counting their lucky stars that they didn't get pink slips on Monday. Uh, Quite frankly, I mean, if we're being honest about it, I mean, my God, the Houston Texans just, I don't know what the hell the Houston Texans are thinking as far as what their expectations were. They fired coaches in back-to-back years. You know, they basically penalized Brian Flores for winning the last game and, and costing him the, the number one pick. I also, I, I swear to God, or I'm sorry, not Brian Flores, um, Lovey Smith. Well, uh, don't you think Lovey knew he was on his way out and was saying, Of course. So no, he gave I mean, the middle finger and won that game. Absolutely. Good for, sure. good for Lovey. I love it. Love it, Lovey. Job well done. Um, yeah, but, but going for two at the end was really a, uh, hey, oh, here you go, bud. He is my hero. That, He's a lot ever, of people's heroes today, don't you think? I know. I agree. If there's ever one way to flip your boss off on the way out the door, it was that. Good for him. Which makes um, me think that Lovey might fit in quite well as a defensive coordinator here. <laughs> well, the guy I want, the reason why I had the Freudian slip and said Brian Flores, because that's the guy I want the Browns to hire to sure. be their defensive coordinator, right? Right. Um, so, and he is a candidate. They, uh, did ask the Steelers for permission to, to speak with him. And, uh, because it is an elevated position, the Steelers are pretty much obligated to tell the Browns. Yes, because unless they're promoting him to defensive coordinator coordinator to keep him. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, Flores is right there among my, uh, top choices to replace Joe Woods. It is interesting. I, I didn't realize that Flores has never been a defensive coordinator before though. Have you realized that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't either, but um, he coached a position in which the Browns need a lot of help with, linebackers, this no, past year, right? Um, unfortunately, the Browns decimated with injuries at that position, number one. Number two, I don't think that they're they're bulky enough at linebacker as well, and I think that that's something they've uh, you know got to look at. But to your point, Andy, as I uh, totally took this uh, podcast off the rails, let's get it back right. on the tracks. No, it's my fault. I'm the one rambling, but – um, I think that where they're at is soul searching. I, I think that Kevin Stefanski needs to really evaluate himself as a head coach and as a leader and his interpersonal skills with his players. Uh, and, and the coaches that he retains need to do the same thing. Because I, I can tell you, matter of factly, I think that interpersonal people skills really hurt the Browns this past year and led to some of the little big things that turned into big things that turned into Jadavian Clowney going just full nuclear uh, mushroom cloud on the organization to Mary Kay Cabot and Cleveland.com last week. And you know what? While I don't agree with what Jadavian did, I kind of agree with some of what he had to say. I thought there was some validity to what he had to say, but time and place and ways you, you handle things. But I, I look, I, I totally get having that Popeye moment where you're just like, F it. I, I've had enough. So um, that's where they're at. They got they got to do some soul searching, obviously defense with what they're going to do in defensive uh, coordinator and what kind of system they're going to run and you know, the core players. Do they stick with those guys? Do they really try and reshape that side of the football on the offensive side? They got some soul searching to do. How do they fit this thing for this offense for Deshaun Watson, et cetera? So, so there's a lot going on this off season with this football team, Andy. And of course, we'll be covering it for you not only uh, on this podcast uh, but uh, on our station, our website. Uh, as well, but I, I, soul searching, I think, is how I would describe where the Cleveland Browns are as they kick off the 2023 offseason. 
All right. So, Daryl, you had a chance. I mean, you were in the locker room today. You were all over the place in Berea. Um, I was in the ivory tower just kind of listening to press conferences where I got no uh, no answers and just kind of was just like, okay, well, whatever. But, um, Daryl, walk me through some of this stuff. There are too many days like that. I just, sorry. Uh, well, you know what? Since you brought it up, let, let, let's. I mean, let's here's the, you know what the biggest thing on our show was today? People who wanted Kevin Stefanski fired that could not say his name. Like, he was uh, called every name but Kevin Mike Stefanski. Homegrown. 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 I mean, it was just it was unbelievable how many people yeah. butchered his name. I'm like, the guy's been here for what, three seasons now? That's the best part of Browns fan that I love is when they can't pronounce the coaches' names. Or but the they team. know everything about the team. That's the amazing right. part. So, right. Right, what, give me the right, Let's start with John Johnson because yeah. I, I thought that uh, he had uh, some interesting things to say, and obviously because Joe Woods. Uh, was uh, the guy uh, canned um, John Johnson's uh, reaction uh, to the news that came at about 6 o'clock this morning, well before the sun rose from the horizon. Anytime you don't have success, like somebody got to take the fall for it. Uh, like I said, after the game, I, everyone on the staff, they're good people, good coaches, so I know he'll land on his feet. Um, as far as, you know, if he takes people with him or whoever comes in, are they going to, you know, keep the guys over I, I have no idea but like i said everyone's good people there land on their feet yeah i mean it's it's not a surprise the moves was made now i'm gonna play no, i mean you cut. basically you said it last night it was coming yeah you said it in the post game i mean i, I did warn you um <laughs> brace for impact code red here we go uh this is this is the quote that i think really stands out and gets to the root uh or one of the roots because there's a couple but one of the roots, main roots, main arteries as to why the defense was an abject failure this year. This is what JJ3 said about what they need from the new defensive coordinator. In parentheses, we did not get from Joe Woods. Take advantage of the, the players that we have. Don't try to do things that you know we're not that good at. You know, let the rushers rush, let the cover guys cover. Uh just Whatever works best for us. I mean, it could look like anything. Each week could look like a whole different defense. I mean, it just whatever it takes to win, uh, it's cool with me. So I guess the rushers were tell, not told to rush, and the defenders weren't told. Um, what'd you read into that, my friend? <laughs> I look. I, I think that says Joe Woods didn't know what the hell to do with any of us, and we didn't know what the hell Joe Woods wanted us to do, right? Why do you think? I why it was just a communication it? issue in the beginning? Yeah, of the why, why do you think that? Why do you? Why do you think that the the secondary was the Spider Man meme for the first half of the season? Everyone's pointing at each other. You effed up. No, oh, it was you that effed up. No, oh, that was your responsibility. It wasn't me. It was you. I, I, that that is what I took from from. I look. I, I think that that was the most telling quote of the day, um, okay. about what ailed that side of the ball. Uh, the other issue. Hang on. Actually, issue number wanna, two coming up in segment number two. Yeah. I, okay. I, I want to save this for the next segment. Because, All right. Let's do that. Let's do that. Uh, but before we go to the next segment, uh, we'll do in the interest of uh, uh, spreading the love. This was Greg Newsom's reaction to Joe Woods getting fired. Uh, and this one kind of hit a little home to Greg for, you know, for personal reasons. And he explains. Obviously, um, wasn't a good feeling for me. I mean, he was one of the guys that, you know, 
hand, you know, picked me as well. So, you know, I have a, a lot of love for him, a lot of respect for him. So um, it's definitely sad to see him go for sure. And then coming up on It's Always Game Day in Cleveland, we're going to get into uh, more of the nitty-gritty behind what really ailed this defense beyond Joe Woods just not knowing what the bleep he was doing with players. Wow. Can't wait. We're back right after this. It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. It's like a locker room clean-out edition is what it feels like. It's brought to you locally by Smiley One, heating, cooling, and plumbing. Brian and Smiley One, the right choice for your comfort. Daryl, you left us on a cliffhanger after the first segment. Uh, take us home here in the second. Let's go. Well, I'll say this. If you think it feels like a locker clean-out edition, it's because it is the locker clean-out edition. <laughs> Sorry. We're good at that, man. <laughs> we are good at just, clean outs days we've done in our lifetime. I, like, I'm just trying to think. Yeah. It, it, it was funny. Um, you know, our, our late great good friend, Les Levine, uh, I channeled yeah. him today as I was leaving the building. I took a picture and I posted it on social media. And I, I the caption I put was in honor of our good pal, Les Levine, of all the Brown seasons I've covered. This one was the most recent and certainly one of them. <laughs> I mean, that was my, my, it was, it, I, I, I felt like Andy Dufresne coming out of the river in the pouring rain <laughs> and, and just extending my arms being cleansed. And I think a lot of the players felt that way too, after going through their exit interviews and that, but uh, let's pick so, things wait, up. Wait, wait, just, I, I got, I just figured that out. And if I've been covering Cleveland sports since I was, I was in Columbus though, the first couple of years, but. So since 90, this was my 75th locker cleanout between our three major teams. This is my 75th anniversary of locker cleanout. I just want everyone to know that. Thank you. Side note, I get a diamond? Andy, Baskin, I don't think so. Andy Baskin, really old. Back Thank to you. Thank you. 75. <laughs> I can't believe I'm that old. 75 have, locker cleanouts. You have oh all your hair, albeit a quarter of it looks to be gray. All uh, right, finish on with John Johnson. Man. I still have all my hair and none of it's gray, except for when I go to the barber and I look down and I see all the white. It's, it's interesting amazing. when none I get my haircut, it's, it's not as bad as it is when it's on my head. I don't know why, but anyway, let, let's go back. You left us with a good cliffhanger. Go ahead. Derek. I did. Oh, okay. Let's see. Where do we want to go? Here? Oh yeah. What the hell happened to the defense and why was it so effed up? Uh, all yes. right, let's go with this. Um, you know, all those guys that got in trouble this year and there were uh, at least by my count, four of them. And one of them was the team captain. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, probably not great that the team captain got in trouble. Uh, nonetheless, well, Greedy did have uh, that one play suspension. Oh yeah, no, that was Grant Delpit. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, you're right. It was Grant Delpit. I thought it was Greedy. Sorry, yeah, sorry. You're right. Um, yeah, so, Greedy just said we just say goodbye to Greedy. You know, besides Jadavian Clowney trying to dictate his playing time for the Browns, uh, discipline pretty big issue, and uh, John Johnson was asked to weigh on on the big issue with the D. And discipline. Way too many, way too many. I mean, just you want to focus on winning, focus on football. It's hard to do that when you got like small stuff. You know, it's a it's a job, it's a profession. It's like you got to come ready every single day. It's just like way too many to be focused on. You know, we got other stuff to focus on. Basically, I think he that said that's the guys aren't coming ready to play every day. Basically, there. I, I I think that what he was trying to say is that. You just you can't have the BS, and that's what they had this year. Too much of that, and the proof is in the results. Yeah, you know, I mean, 
remember back in September when I told you something didn't feel right about this team? Yeah. What was it? Well, <laughs> I think we just found out, right? That they weren't communicating, that they weren't talking to each other. That I'm like, I'm trying to read into just this. Everything. You know, discipline issues, accountability issues, lack of people skills, um, the the inability to resolve little problems that turned into big problems that turned into guys getting left home on the final bus ride to and from Pittsburgh. Like, uh, yeah, I, I mean, wait a second. Yeah, they left uh, guys County didn't get invited on the bus oh, ride oh, okay, to Pittsburgh. Okay. Right. He got okay. left home. Right. Okay. Okay. That I got, I thought you, like, I was going to say, did you also hear that Joe Woods got fired on Monday? Any, since you're trying to catch up here. I'm trying to catch up to everything here. I still know that Joe Woods is still fired. Let me check. It's yeah. Okay. okay. It's been a couple okay, hours, but he's still fired. This just in Joe Woods still fired. Mike prefer not, but may more on that in a little bit. Uh, Greg Newsom, because we've heard so much about leadership this year, right? It's funny. The Browns had a lot of really good leadership, yet good leadership would have solved a lot of these problems. Uh, here's Greg Newsom on the L word. Wins and losses, I don't really necessarily believe that's a leadership issue. Um, you know, I feel like our leaders are doing an amazing job. I mean, you can tell, you can walk around the you know, locker room and see us seven and nine, you know, Whatever our record is, we still having fun with each other, still being together. So I don't necessarily think leadership kind of shows wins and losses. Um, so I wouldn't say it's a leadership issue, but I mean, obviously it can improve. And I think that's just being with each other more, um, you know, a whole nother off season, obviously getting four back for a whole entire season um, will be great for us as well. So he gets out there um, and, you know, shows more what he can do. So I don't think leadership was really the problem. I think we honestly had great leadership on this team um, and, no, that's that's stuff that only can improve. And yet that leadership, one of them got sat down for a series. <laughs> one missed the play. And then... I, you know what? I'm going to defend Greg here for a minute. He's okay. a young player yeah. who is still learning about being a pro. And I'll say that, I look, I think Greg was professional this year, so I don't want you to, like, misunderstand. You know, I, I don't want anyone to say that I'm – saying that Greg's not professional. I just think that he's learning what leadership really is in the NFL. So from his perspective, he thinks leadership is fine. And I'm here to tell you that if the leadership is fine, all the crap that happened this year would have never happened. That's leadership. That's, but here's my question. Leadership from a player standpoint or from a coaching standpoint, just the, all from, from within the locker room leadership. That's, player. that's player leadership. Okay. Yeah. And and, and that's where I kind of come out on it. Yeah, leadership was a big problem this year uh, because this stuff would have been nipped in the bud. And look, I, 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 I've had guys tell me, and, and I wrote this, so I don't have a problem sharing this on the podcast because I put it in black and white. My understanding of the situation is that, you know, throughout the season, the players – really were on Kevin Stefanski about holding guys accountable and wanting to be coached hard and wanting to raise the, the standards of professionalism. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'll say that my take on that situation, Andy, is that Stefanski did not do enough in that regard. I, I just okay. I, I I feel like he didn't he didn't meet 
some of the standards that I think some of the players were expecting him to meet as the head coach. So the players wanted more out of him. Yes. Basically. As far as just being a leader. Yeah. Fair. And, and, and accountability and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, there, there's a reason that I have been saying some of the things I've been saying and some of the buzzwords I've used in the last, in the last couple of weeks have been people skills. I've made the joke about the Sergeant Hulka and cracking the whip and you need the, you know, someone that ain't uh, afraid to show you the belt doesn't have to use the belt, but you know, the belt is there ready to be used. And if you don't, if you step out of line, you're going to get cracked. Not, not in a physical sense, but you understand what I'm saying. Sure. It's in a, you know, I'm just using an analogy here. So, um, and, and that's why I've said that they, they, whoever they hire for to be defensive coordinator basically needs to be a disciplinarian. He needs to be a guy that's going to come in and take no one's BS. He's got to be a guy that's going to come in and tell Miles Garrett to shut the hell up when Miles Garrett steps out of line. Um, and what, and, and I, and I'm, I'm not picking on Miles. I'm just using his in an example because he's the best player on the team. And right. so if you can get like um what made Ty what made Ty lose so great with the Cavaliers 2016 championship run? Because he wasn't afraid to tell LeBron to shut the F up, sit down, and this is what we're gonna do, how we're gonna do it, and this is what I need from you. And LeBron embraced that because he respected Ty Lu. Right, and LeBron implemented what Ty Lue wanted from him. Well, right? think about what was before him. How many press conferences did we hear? David Black goes, "It is just an honor and a pleasure, right, to be on the same bench as this guy." And I'm right. like, "Man, you can't be a head coach of an NBA team and be starstruck by your players." Hundred percent. Right. And so, so that this is the but so this is the point that I, the larger point that I'm trying to make, Andy, about what's mm -hmm. missing from this organization. Like, so they need somebody. That's going to do that because I think the other thing, the tough thing for Kevin Stefanski, he need, he does need to be true to himself. And I want to make sure that I am being fair to Kevin here. He's got to be true to himself. So like he can't come in next, next season and all of a sudden just be this, you know, Different totalitarian person. taskmaster. Right. Because then mm -hmm. players are going to be like, especially the ones that have been here, they're like, what the hell is going on? You see what I'm saying? So yeah, it he, looks like he, it's fake. Right, so he needs his next defensive coordinator to be the Sergeant Holko, to be the belt for him, to be that appropriate fear within the locker room that's gonna be, you know, you know, respected, and and the players are gonna want to run through a brick wall for them, similar to what we see with Campbell up in Detroit, right, and how they beat the. Oh Packers. my God! So, Watching him last night, I was like, Yeah, wow, this is awesome. I, and, and I'm sitting there like, Man, I wish the Browns would play like that. I wish the Browns would fight like that for you know for Kevin Stefanski or for Joe Woods or Mike Prefer or whomever. So that is, I think, where they are, and these are things that really need to be addressed as they do their off-season soul searching. And I hope that Kevin Stefanski is able to find that guy to be his Sergeant Holka so that he can get this team back to where they should and expect to be. It's always game day in Cleveland. We're going to pick up right where we left off here. And I want to talk more about Kevin Stefanski. I want to talk about more about the front office. And I want to dive into a little bit more of what Daryl was just saying. It's always game day in Cleveland. If you like what you're listening to, subscribe to the podcast. It's always game day in Cleveland. Daryl Ryder with Andy Baskin as we recap what was an eventful locker cleanout and post-mortem press conference day uh, out in uh, Berea, Ohio. Just want to remind you, sport, mobile sports betting is finally legal here in the state of Ohio. BetQL is here to help make you 
help you make the most informed bets possible. See all of today's best bets by heading to betql.com or downloading the BetQL app. Claim your free three-day trial today. Head to betql.com slash news slash 92.3 The Fan for exclusive sportsbook offers. Daryl, let me pick up this last segment where we left off. And it's a question that I hear all the time, and you brought it up yesterday in the postgame press conference. And I wonder about the Paul D. Podesta-Kevin Stefanski relationship and what's going on there. And, you know, I I wonder what D. Podesta's role is as chief strategy officer for a team that doesn't make the playoffs. And I think there are a lot of people wondering that. And then I also wonder... How much is Kevin executing what Andrew and Paul want? And is Kevin is does that affect game day? Does that affect what's happening on the field? I mean, I had three people in the last twenty four hours go, "Is it all just analytics? Is that what Kevin does? Is he not watching the game? And is he definitely not watching the game on defense? What is going on there? Give me the answers, Daryl. I'd like to. Um, let me explain. Let me explain some things to, to people. I really hate that our media availabilities are broadcast live and that they're they have been turned into some big media entertainment for show thing. Because like that was something I was trying to pin down in that press conference Monday afternoon. And see, here's the issue with this whole broadcast live. And, you know, there's only so much time that we're allotted for 50 people to get in all these questions and stuff. So, like, you can't have, like, I can't have a conversation with Andrew Barry. Like, I I, I can't no, have because a. Because you end up looking like, what is, what is he doing? Why is well, this? Yeah. Like, and, I and, get and, it. Jeff gets it. When we listen to these press conferences, we totally get it. I know. But I, I just want to explain yeah. to the audience because, sure. you know, I always laugh at the criticism. Uh, about the questions get asked and stuff like that. You've got 50 people in the room, likely with 50 different angles and agendas and things that they want to get out of the press conference. We're all competing for the time to ask questions. And you, there's just no conversation to be had. Like that is the last time that I'm going to talk to Andrew Barry until the NFL combine. And so it makes it really hard to give you the fans the insight that you're looking for. And it's hard for me to get the insight that I'm looking for when that's really the only forum that I have to ask Barry legit questions. So it's just, it's hard to, to drill down and, and, and have a non-confrontational type of exchange of ideas. And, you know, the, the best, the best information that I get, I can tell our listeners is it doesn't come when we're doing podium sessions or we're doing press conferences. And it's part of the reason why Kevin Stefanski comes off so dry and boring Uh, that like it's by design, like Bill Belichick comes off dry and boring in his press conferences. And it's 100% by design. If you've ever watched a documentary featuring Bill Belichick and you see some of the like the behind the scenes, like you see the guy has a personality, he has fun, you can see his love of football, his respect for the history of the game, his ac- like everything, it just his personality come, comes across. But once he steps in front of a microphone and there's 50 cameras and 50 reporters 
he goes into Bill Belichick press conference mode. And that's what happens to Andrew Barry. That's what happens to Kevin Stefanski. And that's what happens to a lot of players as well. So I just, I feel like it's appropriate since you brought it up, Andy, to like defend who the people that we're talking about, even though it's, you know, I criticize them and it's, it's part of my job to criticize them. But I think it's important for fans to just kind of understand like, God, I, I hate to go in the good old days, but like I remember the old days where they like they would do a, a writer session so writers could have those back and forths and have those conversations. And there's there were agreements about okay, here's what's on the record, here's what's off the record, here's what's on background. You can use it, but you can't attribute it to anybody, just so you have general knowledge of the situation of what's going on, and you can you can ex- express to your audience you know, you know, what's, what's going on and and things like that. And that, and and in today's environment where everything has to be broadcast live, you just, you can't do that anymore. It's It's, it's beyond that though, Daryl, we live in a media age where two source reporting is dead. Yeah. If you see something. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if one person says something, you have to run with it because one person, you know, the, it it yeah I mean it the, two the players industry... sit there. I mean it sounds like a joke but two players sit at a bar have a conversation about someone in in house and someone sitting back behind them happens to overhear them and that suddenly becomes a tweet and then it becomes a story it's yeah. almost like these guys I mean I, I I'd be scared to go out if I were those guys if they were going to talk about anything that had and by the way I mean like I was getting. Uh, like I, I had people who were sliding into my DMs telling me about players that were being out during the middle of the season. And I'm like, well, they're 21. And if they show up on Sunday and play the game, I, I what am I, when you want me to go on the air and say that? No, I'm not yeah. going on the air. And, and, you know, people, I'd watch these guys have good games the next day. And I'd be like, well, so what if they were out last night? You know, is that my response? I, I, I don't, but it, it's just people who feel like th- they can break news that really sometimes w- would have never made news before in the past. And so, that's why if everything seems kind of shady and I don't know tabloidy, that's why things happen the way because it's not, yeah, it's not the good old days of two source reporting. Those yeah. days are gone. So I just like I said, I just want to you know I I just I have to defend some of the dryness that that comes out of Berea because I know that annoys fans and and to a degree it kind of annoys me too. But like I also understand uh, you know that environment and then just even in my twenty five years in the business, I have seen how. Uh, you know, things uh, have shifted. So that's there's a fine line. Hey, let me just let me throw this out there too. There's a fine line between Mike Leach and Kevin Stefanski. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Like those two are the polar opposites. Yeah. Like Greg Williams, very entertaining, right? Very yeah. boisterous. Yes. You wonder why he didn't get the head coaching job? Because his because his shtick has a shelf life. Like there's only so long. You know, so long that works, right? Yeah. It was good. It worked for eight games. I don't know that it was going to work for the next three to five years. And that, and that's why they, the Browns didn't name him uh, the head coach. But, um, you know, and and so just by, you know, I, I, I can tell you, like, I've had a lot of conversations in the last couple of weeks with people just trying to really get a sense so that I could properly kind of explain some of the dynamic of, of you know what was going on and i i've tried to do it on this podcast a little bit i've tried to do it on the air when i when i've uh, joined our you know various shows on the fan i've tried to write some of it some of it i don't write because i don't want to violate violate any confidences and things like that but um you know nfl locker rooms 
are unique because you have between the active roster of 53 guys, you have the injured reserve guys, you have 16-man practice squad. You're talking almost 80, 80 guys in a room, right? All Those of them are just players. You've yeah. also have personnel staff and all kinds. Yeah, of but stuff. you know these, these are guys that they all come from different backgrounds. They they all have a different life experience. Some of them do have shared uh, life experience as well. And, and so when when I when you talk about managing that volume of people, and, and this is why I think I've just been so critical of Kevin Stefanski, and and I don't feel like he's done a good job managing the the various personalities just because of all the stuff that kind of has exploded in a very public fashion. Yeah. You want to keep stuff uh, in house, but I, I just, I keep pointing to the Steelers because they they're just the model franchise. I know they didn't make the playoffs this year, but, and, and people will, will roll their eyes when I say, you know, Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. Well, he hasn't won a playoff game since, uh, you know, like 2016 or whatever. You mean to tell me you wouldn't sign up today for a head coach that had 16 consecutive winning seasons that included multiple Super Bowls uh, and um, maybe a little bit of a playoff success drought mixed in there. But every year you're in, you're in yeah, sign me up for that in a heartbeat, um, you know. In Pittsburgh, they've had their fair share of drama and big personalities and guys that wanted paid, right? Right. But you know what they never did? It, it all it splashed all over ESPN and NFL Network and all the the you know websites and stuff like that. But what it never did was affected their ability to win football games. And I just feel like that little stuff that is normal. And Stefanski talked about it on Monday uh, when I when I when I asked him about it. It is. It's normal stuff that happens everywhere in the NFL. But the difference is the Browns don't overcome it. The Browns still do not do what other teams do, and that is just find ways to win games in spite of whatever the news of the day may be, whatever the controversy of the day may be. And so that's why they're in the position that they're in. And Kevin Stefanski, quite frankly, needs to find a better way to handle the personalities on his team in his locker room, because if he doesn't one year from now, we're going to be talking about the Cleveland Browns searching for yet another head coach, probably another general manager too. Those are the facts of life as I see them. <laughs> it was a great way to end Daryl. Great way to end this thing. All right. He is Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Thanks for listening again. I want to thank our great producer, Meredith Kane. And uh, we'll be back with you very shortly, maybe perhaps later this week. So we'll drop the next podcast when it is ready to roll here. And we're glad to have you on board. If you want to be a part of the show in the future, all you have to do is hit us up on social media, a.k.a. Twitter and Instagram. And you can do that at Game Day CLE. Again, if you like what you're listening to, subscribe to the podcast. It's always Game Day in Cleveland.